What's going on, man? And my buddy James is calling from the beautiful Miami. How is the weather out in Miami, Florida? Oh, it's good, man. You know, nice. You know, just a tad under 16, but it's nice, man. I thought we were going to go undisclosed location, but, you know. Nah, we don't do we don't do undisclosed locations out here. And guys, if, if I had the address, I would let you go kill James. <laughs> well, right now, um, as because I want to do this K style, um, Nick is back in the Sports Dude Studios in New York, and I am here in lovely Miami, Florida. And the Astros entered the fifth down one nothing, and it is now three one Astros. Let's go! Let's go! Diego Castillo, Diego Castillo came in with first and second, no outs, and my man gave it up. The Rays' best reliever screwed the pooch. We love it out here in these streets. Oh man, the Rays are definitely gonna. The Rays are definitely gonna do this, aren't they? Oh man. And, and every Yankee fan, every Yankee fan should love this. Because if the Astros complete it, the Yankees will never be the sole possession team to have done this. But tonight, but tonight, we are having a guest, the lovely Bridget Condon. She is a news anchor. She is a news anchor in Charlotte. So we're going to talk some Panthers. But... The main reason why I wanted her on the pod, because last week she interviewed Cecil Newton. And if you don't know who that is, well, you're a hack. That can, that's Cam Newton's father. We're also going to talk some Boston sports, and I think this is going to be one hell of a time. Um, you guys should should have already heard her on Grunt Talks MLB slash GMT with our brothers Bobby Thompson and Julian Gillardi. So if you didn't, you'll get to hear this one. And... Our interview with Cassie Dunn, who keeps on breaking records. 50. We are now at 50 viewers. So for any guest, for any guest that we have on now, that's the mark. That's the bar we set ourselves at. 50. I'm talking 50. The big 5-0. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's bring on Bridget. And let's go, Astros and Braves beat those Doyers. All right, she didn't pick up yet. So while we wait, tell us about the lovely MIA by Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, Pitbull. Man, I was hoping we would keep my location a secret, but it's really nice. Beautiful as always, you know. My Miami-Dade County, beautiful. I am, where I'm at is like downtown Miami, so I'm at the heart. Of it all, it is just fantastic. Welcome to Miami. Yes, um, and for those who are like, James, why are you not in the in the sports dude studios? I, I want to take a mini video. Alright, here she comes. Alright, I don't know what happened. She called and then she hung up. So a little technical difficulties. But but again, James, why why are you not back in New York, man? How how can you went all the way to Miami? Well, you know, I I want I have to take care of some business, so I'm down in Miami taking care of some 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 business down here. Some and business? What kind of business do you need to take care of, of in Miami, sir? You know, some, some work related stuff. You know. Oh, some work related. Work related. Okay. 
What what kind of work related business, sir? It's it's top secret work information, sir. We we don't reveal stuff out here in these streets. A beautiful downtown Miami. <laughs> so 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 she's going in and out of service. So we're gonna give her five. But um, business. I mean, apparently you said you were having a work trip next next weekend. So so. How do you have, what kind of job do you have that gives you two back-to-back work trips? I've, I think there's a lie here with this trip. No, sir, it, it's scout honor. How dare, how dare you question me in the beautiful Miami, sir? I don't know. Sneaky, sneaky. How dare you? All I know, guys, guys, when I, when, when you heard my voice, you see me on Twitter. How dare you? I know that my friend Flash Meliodas is back in New York chilling. What's up, Flash? You're awesome, buddy. I I think Flash Meliodas is a creep, and and I heard I heard that he likes to stand outside girls' bathrooms to try to try to get a cheap thrill. That's how creepy Flash Meliodas is. Well, Flash Meliodas, he tried, he, he tried to steal my credit card. I mean, so, like, 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 I'm walking down the street, and he was like, here comes the Flash. He knocks me over, and he takes my wallet. I don't know, I don't know, man. So, 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 as far as I'm concerned, Flash Meliodas is lucky I had not blocked him yet, and he's lucky I had not called the authorities. Because Flash Meliodas is a chump. Flash Meliodas is the kind of kid who... Oh, here comes the Bridget. Uh, we are here with the lovely Bridget Condon. How uh, How is your 2020 slash COVID season going so far? Hey, um, well, first, I'm glad to be here. Um, thank you for having me. 2020 is going as good as it can. I'm sure we all are feeling a little bit... Um, like this year is going no way like we hoped it would but um as sports are starting to pick back up it's we're kind of getting used to this new routine of of covering sports throughout covid bridget my name is james the other half of the sports dudes um currently i've been my um first off i'm glad we're doing okay be more important i'm James, you're going in and out. Very little. Now? Alright, how about now? Yes. Bridget, I have to ask this question. Um, for your success and everything you worked through, how did you get to this point that you are right now? Like, how was your journey? So I um, grew up in Boston and really got involved in sports there. I played sports all growing up. And obviously followed Boston sports, Red Sox, Bruins, Patriots, Celtics, and really grew a love for just the energy and the excitement around sports and players' stories. And then in college, I majored in journalism and Spanish and had an opportunity the summer of 
before my senior year to work with Time Warner Cable Sports in Los Angeles and got kind of a taste of what sports reporting is like. I covered the Lakers, although it was the summer, we did some press conferences and the Dodgers, the Sparks, the WNBA team, and then the MLS team, the Galaxy. And after that summer, it just really put in perspective how much I wanted to do that. So my senior year, I did some work on the student-run internet broadcast, sideline reporting football and basketball games and helping out on a pregame show. And that gave me enough experience to land an internship at one of the local TV stations where I later got my first job. Um, And I was there for two years and then ended up here in Raleigh where I've been for the past three years. Um, So a lot of just timing is huge in this job um in this industry just being you know having your contract up at the time where a position's open or graduating when there's a position open and just really maintaining connections that i've created uh along my journey ever since being in college or in high school really and just keeping up with people and um you know continuing conversations along the way all right so obviously you know the past Two weeks, you know, Cam Newton got COVID, Stephon Gilmore got COVID, and they just returned to the field yesterday. But you got to interview Cam's father, Cecil Newton. How did you get that interview, and how do you think it went? Yeah, I think actually the Patriots just closed down again. Um, yeah. Yeah, another yeah, a defensive player um got um got COVID, and they're awaiting the results of a second test to see if it's not a false positive. So the game against Denver is in jeopardy. Yeah, which is, I mean, the the Panthers, the team I'm covering right now, they actually had a player test positive today too. I just think it's um you know it, it's something I think after get into the winter months, we're going to see more and more of. Um, just goes to show the NFL should really put in that week 18. So we'll see what they do. But with Cecil Newton, I um, had a connection here who reached out that he was coming to evaluate talent for this organization called High Impact Football. They were having a camp. It's like high school kids um, and younger who were working out. And Cecil was coming to talk to them and just kind of check out their skill. And so I asked if he'd be available for a one-on-one and he was um and he was really great he was open to talking about everything the only thing that was off limits was cam's personal life um which i had really no interest in asking anything about anyways i really was more focused on his journey to the patriots and obviously the covid diagnosis um yeah but he was really receptive to all my questions we sat there probably talked for about 25 minutes so i think it went great that is awesome. I'm glad you're able to got that experience. And then I was sticking with the Patriots because Patriots are very nauseating. But what do you think of the Patriots' um, start right now? They're about they're two and two. They're right in the thick of things in the AFC East. Um, people were writing them off, but you know now with Cam returning, um, could the Patriots still maintain their hold in winning this division despite Buffalo's really good start? Yeah, I mean, I think um, if you asked me that before Tuesday, um, I would have said no, because like you said, the Bills looked unbeatable, but what the Titans did to them on Tuesday was great for the Patriots, and I think, 
I think people did write them off because you lose Tom Brady, you lose a lot of key parts of, you know, the biggest part of your offense and a lot of other players. Um, and Cam has to come in to learn this entire new system and earn the starting role, and there's all these questions about him. I think there were some kinks that they had to work out, you know, the first few games, but that last game that he played before his diagnosis, I think things were really clicking. Um, and I think that's the, the potential that the Patriots have. I think they totally could definitely win um, the division. And it's just so hard of a season because you do have some players who decided to opt out, some key players, because of COVID-19. And there's just so much uncertainty that who's going to get COVID-19 on what week and how's that going to affect your lineup. So I think right now, honestly, it's anybody's game because of the uncertainty of the pandemic. But do they have the possibility and the potential to win the division? I say absolutely. Not only am, am I a Patriot fan, you know, so obviously, obviously I'm a great person, but I think it's embarrassing that the Buffalo Bills not only lost by 25-plus points the other night, but the fact that they lost to a team that, that, that let's face it, haven't, haven't played football in two to three weeks, barely practiced, barely practiced. It's the kind of game to where the Bills did nothing all week. All, all they did was go from a hotel to work out, and the Titans just partied. Were drunk, but because they're so talented, they went out there and beat them. So, so I think Bills fans have to look at that because that's pretty embarrassing. But the 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 only down part of Cam, which took place while he was with the Panthers, was when and I'm not sure if you were there at the time, but when Jordan Rodriguez asked Cam a pretty forward question about a play, and he kind of just left it off as of you know how come. Who are you? How come you're asking me that play on Cam Newton? What do you think the vibe was around that, and 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 yeah. how and how did he do about correcting his image better? Yeah, well, her name first off is Jordan Rodrigue. Um, oh, Rodrigue. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was definitely um, a setback for Cam. I think what he said, um, whether he meant for it to come out that way or not, it was definitely disrespectful. And I think Jordan being one of the only female, I think she maybe was the only female reporter in the room. Um, definitely, as anybody, it would make you feel uncomfortable. I think that is so far in the past, though. That was 2017. It's now 2020. Right. I think he worked it out. I think she worked. I mean, they both got a ton of hate for that. Um and I think he's grown from that. I think people, we live in this world where no matter what you say, you don't have time to correct it. You're going to, it's going to be blown out over social media, whether you meant it or intended for it to be harmful or not. It's now out there for the public to watch over and over and over. And we live in this cancel culture where nobody's really given an opportunity to correct themselves or to learn from their mistakes so in that instance though I think you know he should have he shouldn't have said that um I think the response was overwhelming because of 
this digital age that we're in. I think he learned from it, um, and I think that's just something that's in the past, and, you know, it's it's nothing that, you know, the past two two seasons, nothing like that ever, ever came up again. Um, this NFL season, and you touched on it earlier, has been crazy with all these COVID scares. Um, and you saw the other sports. The NBA was in the bubble. The NHL's in the bubble. The MLB postseason in the bubble. At some point, should the NFL consider a bubble? Because you're getting all these COVID te- um, tests, whether it's positive or false positive. Like, should the NFL really try to consider that? I don't even think that's an option to put that many people in a bubble. I don't know where you would do it. And it's different because the NBA, you can practice in a closed gym. With the NFL, you're on a field. Like Then, then you bring in cheating and, and spying and all that. I just don't think that is realistic. And where are you going to make 32 weight rooms? Um, like at the, at, And you're all sharing it. I, I just don't... I don't think that that's a possibility. What I think is more likely is that the NFL adds a week 18 um, that allows them to have flexibility to cancel games throughout the season and have that week to reschedule games that are important, you know, games that would distinguish uh, who would win in a division or, you know, playoff seedings. Because, I mean, I think they're doing a good job with, I mean, they're testing daily and taking precautions when and following protocols. But um, I just don't think a bubble is the solution because I, I don't see it as possible. Um, the Panthers are 3-2. and two, You know, they got some pretty good pieces. You know, one of the best running backs in football, Christian McCaffrey. Free agent Robbie Anderson, who's doing pretty well. And Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is a good quarterback. Um... What do you think their timetable is, and and because you want to do it while Christian's in his prime, of you know take taking steps toward the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl. Um, I think it's going to take some some time. I would say, you know, at least in the next five years. I think they'll get into the playoffs in the next five years. We'll be back in the Super Bowl. That maybe in the next five years, but with a new coach, new quarterback, and, and all of that having to, to work itself out, I think it's going to take some time to get used to each other and, you know, get some good, you know, for Matt Will to come in and, and make trades or, um, you know, get some good draft picks for them to really work it out. I mean, I know they have Christian is great, but who knows when he comes back in this season. Um Robbie Anderson's been great, Mike Davis, but I think I think there are just so many other teams with a lot of veterans, and that's when you see the difference in a good team and a good team with veterans who have been there before when you get onto that big stage, something like the playoffs. Um, well, I want to switch gears now. I know that you're in the you're in you're in the you're in the Carolina area. Um, this is kind of where my expertise came over the Carolina Hurricanes. Um. I personally don't like the Carolina Hurricanes, but I do appreciate the talent that they have. How big of a disappointment was it for them to lose to Boston in the first round? Um, I think this year was 
different. Um, I don't know. I think it was hard for. I mean, it just felt like it wasn't the playoffs, even even as a you know fan. And there were people in talking that didn't even know the NHL playoffs were going on. Um, I think they, you know, they have a lot of good players, and Justin Williams obviously is a key contributor. And this was his last season, and I think they would have liked to have him. Um, you know, win or, or advance further his final season. But I think, I don't know. I, I, I think it was disappointing, but it was kind of this already weird season, and then you're away from your family, and it's like, okay, well, we're really, you know, they had a lot of players injured, and it was just kind of, it, it just kind of, they, they just ran their course. And I think, it was time for them to, to be done. I so, think the problem with the, um, hold on, Nick, I just want to, like, make, I want to follow up with that real quick. Um, the problem with the Hurricanes, they have so much talent. They were just in the conference finals a few, a couple of years ago. That team is good, but I think their problem was, A, up the middle, they did have key injuries, and B, I, their goaltending was really bit shaky. How can the Hurricanes address that? Because the goalie market's insane. I mean, Henry Blomquist is with the with, with the Capitals. You saw um, Murray get traded to the Senators. You, you, you saw Thomas Grice sign with the um, uh, oh, Detroit. And then you saw Schneider go, saw Corey Crawford go to the Devils. And you saw Corey Schneider go to the Alders. Well, how, why, why hasn't the Hurricanes addressed their goalie situation? So, Don Waddell, the GM, actually said, um, I mean, I think they drafted in the draft seven forwards. Um, their plan and Tom Dundon, the owner's plan, is to get speed and skill and get really fast guys. I think they will get a goal with me, you know, later on. But right now, they their motto is, I don't care if we lose, or I don't care if we let five goals in. If we can score seven, that's what we need to do to and so I think right now they're really speed and feel, and they want these forwards who can score goals. I mean, they drafted a lot of guys who have potential to, you know, grow up and be really good players. And you see in their other recent draft picks in years past, Sebastian Ajo, Andre Svechnikov, are these really, you know, big-name guys who are going to be successful for a long time. So I think they're really focusing on long-term and figuring out – I mean – the goalie situation, yeah, has been an issue for a while. Um, but Don Waddell says you don't draft a goalie in the first round. So I really think they're focusing on how to score goals. And then I think we will see you later on, you know, them get a goalie from somewhere. All right. Um, this is obviously not a great story, but it unfortunately has been happening since 2006. The Washington football franchise has been – mistreated women and Daniel Snyder still unfortunately owns a team as a woman yourself in the sports industry what's your thought on everything that's been going on on everything that's been going on with Dan Snyder or with just women in sports um same um yeah I mean I think that we saw it with Jerry Richardson at the Panthers and the Panthers did you know push him out. Um, I think it happens everywhere, and these are stories that are just becoming public. I think it's going to take a while for, 
men, especially men of, you know, generations that are older than me to accept the fact that women belong in sports and a woman is just as intelligent, if not more than any of the men involved in the game. And I think we've seen tremendous progress from when the first woman took the field, took the sideline um, covering sports, but there's still so much more room for improvement. And there are a lot of good men out there trying to pave the way for women, but there still are, you know, a batch of people like there are in any profession that are rotten eggs that are spoiling it for women. Um, I think in the next five years, we're going to see a dramatic change and people, companies are really starting to think about who they hire and whether that be a woman, whether that be a person of color, you know, they're trying to be more mindful of finding diversity and not just, you know, having one, one race, one gender define their organization. So I really think there are some days where I wonder, you know, how men like that exist, but there are just as many, I think, I think there are probably more good men and, and men who respect women in sports than there are bad eggs. But I do think, I agree. you know, eventually they'll be forced out in whatever way. I uh, saw somewhere earlier, and I'll have to relook, but I think there's going to be a game this weekend where we're going to have two women referees. Um, I don't know, but I know a couple weeks ago, the um, Washington... Football and, team. And the Browns. Play, yeah, 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 the Browns, and there were three um, women on the field, and that was like the first time in history that that had happened. Yeah, a, ref, was, a ref, the Washington uh, coach, and another coach. Her first name is Callie. I'm not, I'm not sure what her last yeah. name is, though. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I want to I um, get touch um i want to touch base on back to hockey because you know hockey's a great sport and nick shows some respect oh, um now did you saw um did you see um i'm sure you saw the the hockey bubble and what was your thoughts on the hockey bubble with the lightning when it i mean i was personally disappointed because i i as people know i'm a new york islander fan and i was really hurt with the game six loss but were you did you like being did you enjoy the nhl bubble i think the nhl honestly did a terrible job marketing i think in comparison to the nba like i said there were people that i talked to who are hockey fans that didn't even know the Stanley cup playoffs were happening i think they could have done a lot better job um you know, to market to the audience that isn't your typical hockey fan because we're in this world where all these games aren't happening. I think it was the NBA, you know, a few other sports had happened, but it's nothing like it normally is with sports happening 24-7. So I think that was a perfect opportunity for them to get new fans to tune in. Um, I thought the NHL did a great job in regards to the COVID protocols, and I don't think they had any, I think it was zero positive tests um i mean they really showed that a bubble can work for a sports playoffs but again i just think the marketing i mean the nba i just can't applaud enough for everything they did from 
the COVID protocols to the marketing to, I mean, they changed it to, you know, their slogan, a whole new game. They talked about the social justice movement and they, you know, made people want to tune in, which I think the NHL missed the opportunity to do that. I agree. I, 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 I agree with that. And I'm a diehard hockey fan. I, I bleed the sport and I was, I was more disappointed about NBC because you're playing, first of all, you're putting the games on NBC Sportsnet. I, I bet half the audience don't even have NBC Sportsnet. Secondly, you're not, like you said, the marketing was terrible and half people don't even know that. They thought it was just like exhibition games because the NHL started with some exhibition games and although the end the result that the champions are the champions and you know the lightning are a good team which led which leads me to ask my next question for next season um the cat with the carolina panthers you, the metro is going to be another gauntlet with all the teams listed them oh, can, the, can the carolina panthers have have success in that vaunted metro division because every team outside the devils are a playoff team yeah, well, it's the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I know it's confusing with the Carolina Panthers um, being the NFL. Oh, I'm going to say Hurricanes. Yeah. I'm going to say Hurricanes. It's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it will be interesting to see what happens as the offseason continues with the goalie. It's also interesting to, I mean, there's no, right now, I think they said January 1st for a start date, but before it was December 1st, and they pushed it back, and I think with all the new COVID um, positives that we're seeing throughout the country right now, who knows if that happens, who knows what the city, are they going to be in a bubble, are they going to be, you know, with fans, without fans? I think there's so many factors into this, but with all the guys, I mean, they just signed another two-way deal today with a forward. I think... If they can, you know, play like Don Waddell hopes that they can play and, and Tom Dundon wants this high-scoring thing, I, I think I think that anybody, if, again, it's anybody's game. I think they have shown, I mean, now Andre Spetschikov will be in his third year. You have Russian Ajo in his fourth year. These young guys who, you know, two years ago when they made it to the Eastern Conference Final, they didn't have any experience. They were all rookies. And now they have that experience, and they've been together. I think that's another key factor. You see the Bruins are so successful because those guys played together, it seems like, for decades. Um, and I think the the longer they play together, the more successful have. And if you get some guys who can come in and relieve them and still be high-scoring and, and fast-paced, I think you can wear down some defenses. And, yeah, even if the shots don't go in, if you're shooting – you know, hundred times at a goalie a night, he's gonna get tired. Um, so I, I think it, it it would be really like if some it would be really hard. It's gonna be really hard for anybody to predict what's gonna happen this season, just because we don't even know what's gonna happen in the world. You know. So uh, I agree. Who ha- growing growing up and watching sports? Who has been your role models? Whether it's women or men and as far as also in the Inca world whether they work at ESPN or your station you know who, who do you look for yeah um like favorite athlete and then uh, someone I look up to in my profession or both yeah I think gr- growing up um my favorite athlete 
was Johnny Damon for whatever reason. I loved him when he was on the Red Sox. I thought, I don't know, he was a great player. Um, obviously, when he got traded to the Yankees, I was heartbroken. Um, you know, David Ortiz is also somebody that every Bostonian loves. The way he responded after the Boston bombing, you know, that'll always be a memory in my mind. Um, he's someone, you know, I, I only can say great things about. And then in my professional life, um, Lindsay Zarniak, she was an anchor for ESPN. She now does Fox Sports. She sidelines NFL games and does some NASCAR. She actually went to James Madison, which is where I went to college. We actually had the same professor who connected us while I was still a senior in college. And so she's really been my mentor for the past six years. Um, and I think she's the best at her craft. She's so natural and genuine and um, you know, just such a nice person and an even better reporter. So she's definitely been the person that I've looked up to and, and you know, wanted to model myself after. Nice. Um, that is awesome. And now with Boston, now the Lakers just won their 17 championship, tying the Boston Celtics for the most in NBA history. With LeBron's fourth championship, what do you think that does for his legacy, and I have a follow-up question afterwards. What What do I think? He yeah, it, it cut out there for me in a second. I, I said, um, I, I said, um, LeBron with LeBron winning his fourth championship. Yeah. And, and what does that do for his legacy? Yeah, I mean, I think just the mere fact that people were on Twitter right after he won his fourth championship in a way that I think is unbelievably hard. They were there for like 75 days or something. You're away from your family. You're living in a hotel room. You're living next to guys that you're playing on the court. They said, you know, they go against these guys and they'd have to ride the elevator up to their rooms together after the game. Like, I just think that the way that he won was takes a different kind of mental challenge than a different than other championships. I think his legacy, I think he is, you know, he's the best in the game. And I know people compare it to Michael Jordan and everyone says Jordan's better because Jordan, you know, won every time he went to the finals and LeBron, you know, has gone to the finals and not won. But I think the game is different now and people will, you know, compare the two until, you know, the world ends. That's just something people do but I think his legacy you know I don't think he needs to prove himself anymore although he will he will continue to prove himself but he he works with whatever he has and he makes he's made three different teams champions which has never been done before um I think he is a great leader a great player and you know I think like he said in his post-game interview, he wants respect, and the respect he, he gets, he deserves. I agree. Um, my follow-up question to that is, now that the Lakers have tied with the Celtics, does that, does that put pressure on the Celtics to win? Because now the Lakers and Celtics, the two most historic teams in the NBA are now tied with each other. I don't think as a player or as an organization, it's like, oh my God, the Lakers just won. That's going to put pressure on us. I think they have their own personal desire to win every season. And they're not looking at how many champions 
the other team has. I think the Lakers have pressure to win because they haven't won in a while, and I think they have the talent to do so, and they're capable of it. Is Are they going to you know, be more motivated now that the Lakers have 17 championships? I don't think so. I don't think anyone you know, who is on the court cares about that. Um, I think they just care about winning, and it doesn't matter what they're up against. They just want to because that's what they want to do, and that's what you know any player wants to do. Um, one, I think this was the Lakers' solely year to do this because we all know the Warriors will be will be back next season. Um, when you were on oh when you were on Grunt Talks MLB the other day with our friends, you brought up the line that Mark Wahlberg said on Patriots Day. Great movie. I I think everyone in Boston should go see that movie. Um, Terrible movie. Hate it. Why? Because it's a Boston movie, but continue. <laughs> Alright, what a loser. Um, how, how hard do you think it was to make that movie? And, and how, like, understanding do you think Mark Wahlberg and John Goodman and everyone had to be when, you know, talk, talking to the people, gauging interest and, you know, doing something like that? Yeah, I think Mark Wahlberg was the person, the perfect person for that movie. I think the movie was great. I think, I know some people, uh, there's been critics about, um, you know, survivors not thinking that it was portrayed correctly. Um, but as someone looking from the outside, someone who wasn't actually, you know, at the finish line on uh, Marathon Monday, I think it was done great. And I think it, was just such a significant moment in history in the United States and as somebody who's from Massachusetts, somebody who's been to the marathon, I mean, this is something that people do every year. It's it's historic. Um, I think the movie needed to be told. It's definitely a touchy subject for um, survivors who, you know, may feel a different way, but I think they did a great job with it, and I think it's something that, years down the road, people can watch and realize the impact it had on the city and how it brought the entire community together. After Oh, wait, I, I, I misheard. I didn't... Was, was that the movie about the Boston Marathon Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I miss... I thought you were talking about Fever Pitch. Oh, my God. How do you confuse... How do you confuse Fever Pitch to Patriots Day? The two are not yeah. the same. I, that was my mistake. I, 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 that was my mistake. I, I, but like, you broke out and I didn't hear the movie. I thought you, when you said a Boston movie, the only Boston movie I can thought of was Fever Pitch. Mark I Wahlberg was not back. in Fever Pitch. <laughs> I did not hear Walk, I did not hear Walk Wahlberg. I didn't hear anything. All I heard was Boston movie. Alright, well, 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 my, you, you, as you should. Um, my second part of that question was, if you were involved in that, or if you had a family member involved in that, would would you have wanted that movie to be made? I think that's like a question I can't answer because I have no idea. You know, I have no idea how they feel. I have no idea what that day was like. I think it's nobody. That's something you have no idea what you're going to think or feel unless you experience it. It's nothing comparable to any event anyone has in life. So it's not like I can say, yeah, I had this one experience similar to it, and this is how I felt. I have no idea what those people felt for what they saw that day. So I 
I cannot answer that. It's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to answer because it's like, you just weren't there. You just don't know how to feel because it's hard to put yourself in that position. So it, it, it's, it's one of those like sensitive subjects. But something, something more interesting with Boston sports, which I've noticed, is that Boston sports, they are so passionate, but also they've received a lot of criticism over the years, especially with the Adam Jones situation, claiming about, about some racial epithets that were spewed his way. Has Boston as a fan base has gotten better? Because there's a lot of things that are said about Boston sports over the years. I think as a country, we've gotten better as we need to get better. Um, if you're talking about, you know, the Adam Jones situation, I think people are becoming more educated with things that we should have been educated with hundreds of years ago. Um, I think, yeah, Boston Sports gets a lot of flack about many different things, cheating and, you know, people say Boston's racist and all these different things. I think it, it truly depends, again, like on the person you talk to, on the person you meet, on the fan you meet. You're going to find these fans who are, again, bad eggs in every organization, at every team. I, th I think Boston, that the Adam Jones situation did really make people stop and think, fans who weren't at that game. They don't want to be, you know, people, fans don't want to be categorized as that or categorized into the same group that that one, those fans who were so disrespectful to him are. So I think it made people maybe react differently or be more actively, um, I don't know, not, not as quiet maybe and, you know, better fans actively showing their support to people who aren't just Boston fans. I think, you know, Boston fans are so passionate and I think they are so aggressive because they care so much. But at the end of the day, every fan that I've ever met is going to be there helping you, you know, if you need it when, when the game's over, or, you know, when you put sports aside. Um, just, just going back to Patriots Day real quickly. I am, I am glad Boston stepped up as a city because as it was portrayed in the movie, they were on their way to New York, so I'm glad that, you know, Boston did their thing and got that kid. Um, when you're covering an NFL game, you know, what's what's your prep work like? What's what's game day like? You know, how how awesome is that day, how hard working is that week? What's what's your overall thoughts? Yeah, I think um, my role might be a little different than a beat reporter's role because um, I'm covering many different teams and sports all at the same time. So in a typical week, I'm covering the Carolina Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes, Duke, NC State, UNC, football, basketball, who, you know, when the seasons overlap, you have them both going on. You have high school football going on in a normal year. Um, so it's not... You don't have the time that maybe a beat reporter does to, we don't go to practice. Um, we show up for a game on Sunday. You know, you pay attention. You do the press conferences throughout the week. Um, and you're taking notes and you're paying attention to what's happening throughout the week. But it takes a lot more, you know, Saturday nights or Sunday. 
I, my photographer usually drives, and I'll be researching in the car on the way to the game, just last-minute things that maybe I had missed by doing other things throughout the week. Um, but it's really you need to be prepared heading into the game, and then it's paying attention during the game, seeing what's happening, and being able to think about what how you want to tell your story post-game and thinking about who you need to talk to for, you know, your specific story and, and figuring out what is the most important thing that happened in the game. What is it that fans want to know about this? What can you get out of the locker room that people don't already know? So it's a lot of in the moment at that time um, that the game's actually happening, that you're doing a lot of work. Um, I want to talk about more about the basketball. And it's and Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, the owner. Um, Charlotte has been more mediocre and bottom-feeding teams. I know they have Mitch Kupchak as the general manager. Um, how can Charlotte be more relevant? And Because ever since Jordan's taken over, they've only gone to, what, two or three playoff appearances and lost um, all of them, and they haven't won a first-round series at all. So what can what can Jordan do to turn that franchise around? Yeah, we don't cover the Hornets, so I really don't work with them at all. But oh. I think it's, um, I mean, Devontae Graham, one of their picks from last year, two years ago, um, should have won rookie uh, most improved player this year. I think he is the start for them. I just think they don't have good player like they don't have a veteran guy who can lead them um and I think with these basketball teams that we see that are just struggling it's it's just so interesting because of the lottery the way it works and the way the picks go you know with the NFL if you have a really bad season you're gonna get the first pick in the draft um most likely and with the the NBA it's so different because like the Knicks, um, they were all supposed to get Zion, and they didn't. Oh, oh that hurts. That hurts my soul. Uh, Bridget, I'm a Knicks fan. Don't, please don't remind me of the misery. That hurts. Our spirit is great, though. It, uh, I, I know, but we were supposed to, the plan was supposed to get Zion and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That was the plan, and the plan didn't happen. I know. I know. It's That's the thing about the NBA. Is that I feel like it takes longer for franchises who are doing so poorly to get better. Um, Duke Blue Devils, you know, possibly the greatest, you know, college, college ba- basketball team in the world, coached by a fantastic man, Coach K. Have you ever got the pleasure of interviewing him yet? And how is it like being at a North Carolina Duke game which I consider probably the top five greatest rivalries in sports. Yeah, um, Coach Bay is great. Yeah, we've interviewed him, you know, countless times after games um, and throughout the week leading up to games. Um, I have nothing but respect for him. Covering Duke has been a really awesome experience. Um, getting to sit in Cameron, you know, every day for every every home game and watching, you know, Zion, for example, that was, it's just, it's one of those things where you're doing something that you know in 20 years you're going to look back on and be like, wow, that was so cool. But even in the moment, I knew how big a deal it was getting to, 
you know, just talk to him in the locker room and interview him when there's just five people there, not like during the NBA draft when there's 500 people surrounding him. Um, you would see Duke, there's nothing that I've ever been to that can describe it or can compare to it. It's one of the coolest experiences. I think everyone should experience it at some point in their lifetime. I mean, the place just literally vibrates. It's People are, are screaming at the top of their lungs. It's so loud. It, it's just, you can feel the energy, the level of excitement from the players. You can feel the tension. It, it's just nothing like I've ever experienced before. Um, what I want to ask is more so, since you are covering the Carolina Panthers, um, and you mentioned earlier about the Panthers star, um, how has Matt Rule been with the team? Because there was a lot of criticism of him coming in from college, from Baylor, and I know the Panthers off to a good start, but how has Matt Rule been, how has Matt Rule been amongst the team, and what do the players think of him? Um, I think the players are, are buying into his system. I think at first it was, you get this guy, he releases Cam Newton, whether that was him or David Tepper, um, and he hires all these guys who he was with at Temple, and then I think he brought in a few guys from Temple, too, that he had coached, um, and it just seemed like he didn't have that next level capability, especially in the first two games where they lost some of the calls that he made. It just seemed like this season was going to go downhill fast. But whether it's him or Joe Brady, they found a way to make it work with the, the guys they have. Right around him that he's not stressed out or, or scared about, you know, the worst. He's just really focused on figuring it out, and that's what he said, you know, after this past game, he said, I don't feel like the players are getting better, I feel like they're finally listening to each other, and they're getting to know us a little bit more, and that's why things are clicking, so he, I'll give it to him, he has this positive attitude about the team and about the, the season. Um, It's very easy to talk to a player that had a good game, you know, whether it's throwing a game when he touched down, catching a game when he touched down. Or, or anything good in sports, how do you go about, you know, maybe talking to a guy that made a big mistake or was a big reason why they lost? I think it is the fact of showing consistency. I mean, you think players don't know who you are and they might not know your name or who you work for, but they remember if you're there and they definitely know the reporters who aren't there and who just show up after a bad loss and try to get an answer out of them, you're not going to, you know, once you gain that level of respect or trust from them that, hey, I know this person's going to be around. I know that they are around for the for the highs, and obviously they're going to have to report on our lows too. I think you figure out which players you have that repertoire with and can go and talk with after a loss. Um, and then there are some players who you just know aren't going to, talk to anybody after a loss and, and you just leave them alone. There's no pressuring somebody like that. Um, but it is difficult, especially, you know, last season, going back to the Panthers, when they lost so many in a row, it's like you're telling the same story. So asking the question in a way that isn't condescending or that maybe has some positivity to it will 
get you a better answer than, you know, just bashing them in, in your question. Last question I have before I end there with some rapid fire. Um, with sticking with the uh, Carolina Panthers, um, they're three and two. There is that extra playoff spot. I know it's jumping ahead, but could this team play some meaningful games down the stretch? I mean, I think with the Falcons 0-5, I think the Panthers do have a shot to make the playoffs. Too. You know, they, they have the game against the Falcons again. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll play the Bucks again. Um, I think so. I think if you bring – when Christian comes back, granted, he hopefully he comes back in the next few weeks – and just every week that they're together, they're going to gel more and they're going to get to know each other. I think Teddy Bridgewater is kind of getting used to that rule and his new offensive players. Um, yeah, I think I think they have the possibility if they continue to use the weapons that they do have and, and not focus on the areas where they have some of their weaknesses. Awesome. Well, Bridget, I'm gonna we're gonna end this with some rapid fire. One minute. I'm gonna ask you some quick questions, and you're gonna give me the answer off the top of your head. You ready? Okay. After the first quarter of the season, who do you think is gonna win the MVP? We're talking what season? We're talking NFL. The NFL, 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 NFL. Oh wow. Patrick Mahomes. Okay, okay, respect. Um, love me some of my homeboy. Um, the, um, who would who would you have to win comeback player of the year? Would you have Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton? Cam Newton. Okay. Now, with with all the Patriot coaches, you know, from the Bill Belichick tree, um, you have Cornell, you have Joe Judge, um, you have Matt Patricia. Who do you think is gonna who do you think is gonna have the more success? Out of those three guys. Oh, out of those three. I was going to say Joshua Daniels. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, Nate, say him again. You said him fast. Matt, 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 Matt Patricia, Romeo okay. Cornell, Joe Judge. Top of my head, right? Not, not a yes or no. Yeah, um, yeah the top of your head, man. <laughs> it's okay. You, you can give an answer if you want. You know. Matt Patricia. Yeah, I know. Take Non-favorable. Okay. Um, Trevor Lawrence is the most highly talented prospect, and he's gonna come out the draft. Um. Between the Giants, Jets, and the Falcons, where would you personally like him? Where, where would you personally like Trevor Lawrence um, to and <laughs> to end up on? Well, aren't you a Jets fan? I am not a Jets fan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he he is an zero and five Giants fan. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's go with the Falcons because I'm a I'm a Daniel Jones fan. 
for taking time and coming on with us and hope we can do this again soon. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Have a great weekend. You too. You too. Bye. Well, that was the lovely, lovely Bridget Condon, you know, James, James out here in this in this club trying to rush answers and oh no, like he, like he has something else to do, which he doesn't. He's, but he has to be rude and rush answers. He has to say, ha like, 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 she's trying to give a great answer, she's, she's trying to, you know, you know, but no, James says no, sorry, sorry, only, only one minute, you gotta change that up, you know, short, short rapid fire should be quick, but if they want to give a little longer answer, let them give a little longer answer, what is wrong with you? How dare you criticize? How dare you criticize? <laughs> like this, 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 this is this is not my fault. But um, yes. Um, well, I hope Nick. I hope back up in the sport in the sports news studios in New York. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, man. Um, enjoy yourself. Be of safe. course, Aaron. Because it's seven one Astros, second and third. Two outs. So a hit down the line will blow this game, and we will have a game seven. How in 
embarrassing. And then, you know what? All Yankee fans should want the Astros to hold. And all Yankee fans should, should want the Astros to win tomorrow. Because then, you will finally get to stop hearing that the Yankees are the only team to blow a 3 nothing lead in the ALCS. So that is what Yankee fans should want. Yeah, and before we get out of here, Peter made the take that he wants the Astros to come back and win this. I and like everyone that. ripped him. Because they they're idiots. They're idiots. they're idiots. They're yo-yo bias Yankee fans. And they want a team to win that beat them. It makes zero sense. The Rays beat the Yankees. The Rays are the reason why we're not watching this series. And Michael K thinks the Yankees would have won this series. I don't know how he thinks that, but but anyway, you you yeah. you, you horny little clown, go 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 do terrible listen, things, listen, listen. you clown, and oh, and and I hope I hope <laughs> you do something to where you you feel a little pain, just a little pain. Listen, listen. Um, Nick, enjoy, enjoy back in New York. I will, I'll be back in the studio. I'll be back in the sports studios on Monday. Um, enjoy yourself, guys. I will be chilling in beautiful, beautiful downtown Miami. Um, I got, I, I'm out of here. And have a good weekend, guys. That's right, you kinky guy. Yeah, me to see.